Hey, good morning. It is great to see you. Uh, We had a terrific week at uh, Vacation Bible School. We had uh, 215 kids who who came, and then we had 135 volunteers, and uh, that was just so amazing. And then on on Friday night, you know, we all, uh, we asked everybody to just kind of clean up, and oh my gosh, everybody just picked up something and took it to the gym. It was just, it was just amazing. So I, I do want to mention something, right? We, we have a policy of having too deep uh, for our children's ministry. And so, uh, if, you know, if, if you want to volunteer for the children's ministry, uh, we are sometimes having that happen, but we're sometimes not having that happen. And so we'd, we'd love to have you volunteer. Um, you can, you know, you can be someone who can just be watching over the kids and being part of that. And you can talk to Janae about that, and she'd be glad to connect you, okay? So thank you very much. Um, so uh, David and Barbara Perucker are celebrating 57 years this morning. And, right? Uh, and then uh, and, and, uh, Bob and Elaine Elliott are celebrating 68 years this year. Woo! That is so amazing. Wonderful, wonderful. Okay. And then uh, I did want to mention um, that there's this, uh, th- this tear-off. And if you're new here this morning or maybe you're just kind of showing up or uh, maybe you've been here for a while but have not shared this information with us, uh, we'd love to have you uh, share your information with us. But th- there's also an opportunity there to, for prayer. And that's for everybody. Okay. We all need prayer. <laughs> Right, and so, uh, so you know, uh, we'd, we'd like for everyone to fill in a prayer request, uh, whether you're brand new or whether you've been here for a thousand times, uh, but then also if you're new, we'd love to have you share your information. So, all right, we're so grateful. Let's begin our worship this morning. Let's stand together.
You can clap if you want to. You may be seated. Yes, what a wonderful entrance into worship this morning, a, a hymn reminding us of who we're here to worship, to praise the name of Jesus, and, and a song that really declares truth, that we once were lost, but now we're found. And so we enter this time of confession with the hope that as we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and just and will forgive us of those sins. So whether you use your worship bulletin or on the screen, let's enter into this time of confessing before Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, we know your word and value your love, but we don't find it natural to trust your purposes, especially when tests and trials interrupt our plans. When we doubt your goodness, forgive us. When we question your loving presence, forgive us. Remind us of the trials and tests you faced, taking our sin to the cross so that we might be reconciled to you now and forever. Renew us in the grace and strength of the Holy Spirit. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. Friends, from Romans chapter 3, we hear these words, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. Let's celebrate that truth as we continue in worship.
Amen. Praise God. Well, um, friends, we had an amazing VBS, as Pastor Dave mentioned, stellar VBS. Um, it was just an amazing week, and God was certainly on the move. And we know that some of you guys weren't able to be here. And so we wanted to just show you a video that encapsulates what VBS was like for us. So would you please watch here?
as that song declares, there is joy in the house of the Lord. Friends, there was joy in the house of the Lord this week. And I hope you know that what you do here at Good Shepherd makes an impact on our community. Because 215 kids were here running around every single day, walking around campus as if it was their home. And they were filled with the joy of the Lord. So praise God. Would you please repeat after me as we pray together? Gracious God, we are thankful that you have placed us here. Help us to know that each day you give us is a gift that we can offer back to you. We love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Please receive and respond to this morning's exchange of blessing from Alex Bocchino. God who is closer to us than our own breath. May the peace of Christ be with you. As you are man worship, may you trust that God's spirit is alive in you. Let us continue in worship by tuning to our neighbor and welcoming them today. I hate to break up the party, but I know that we love connecting together. That's something we're really good at here at Good Shepherd. We love to connect. So one of the many hats that I wear, uh, besides youth pastor, I'm also the missions pastor. And I have the opportunity of being a part of our worldwide missions team. And one of our goals this year 
is to grow closer with our mission partners all around the world. But more than that, we want you all to grow closer to our ministry partners. And so today we have in person for us some of our ministry partners. So Lindsay and Alan, would you please come forward? I'd love them to share with you about their ministry in Europe. Oh, and Josie's coming too, guys. Well, good morning. Nice to see you all here. Our daughter Josie is six years old, and if you ask her, her favorite thing to tell you will be that she has lost six teeth. She's six years old and lost six teeth. So. Uh, it's, it's good for us to be back here. It's been four years since we've been here as a family, uh, but we minister with an organization called Pioneers, which is an international, interdenominational missionary sending agency, and it's focused on church planting and evangelism among what we would call unreached or least reached people groups around the world, those that don't have access to the gospel, where there's not enough Christians in their own native culture to be able to um, share with one another about who Jesus is. And so we come along and send teams uh, to help catalyze the work there. Our particular work is not as evangelists or church planters, but we're in a support role. Our heart is to enable those that are on the front line of this ministry effort to be resilient, to be able to hang in there through the difficulties and the challenges, but also to be fruitful in the labor and in the ministry vision that the Lord has given them to do. So we do that through a number of things, teaching and training and resourcing and prayer and care and coaching and mentoring, uh, kind of whatever we can do uh, to come alongside those that are um, engaged really very much um, in the front lines um, with those that don't know Jesus um, all around the world. And so we um, continue to thank you for your prayers for our ministry as we in turn minister to others. I have been connected to Good Shepherd since I was born. I was baptized here. Uh, became a member here. I was, we got married here. Um, so I have a lot of history. Um, but I've been overseas for 19 years now, almost 20. And it was 19 years ago, I was up here sharing about moving to Turkey and uh, moving there to be a missionary. And it's kind of crazy that it's almost 20 years that I've been living overseas. But my story didn't start there. My story actually started 20 years before that. So 40 years ago, when I was attending Sunday school here, I became a Christian. And through growing up in the church, learning good theology, and ways to be a servant by people like you, people in the congregation, um, going on mission trips to Mexico, God pulled my heart to just want to serve him. My goal wasn't to be a missionary. Um, I was actually a, an elementary school teacher. I wasn't thinking I'd ever live overseas long term, but God had a different plan. And it's always about just hoping you're opening your hands up and surrendering to him. But I'm just so grateful for the children's ministry. I was sitting here in VBS the first morning and um, just seeing the kids sing songs about Jesus and Janae talking about Jesus loving you. And just like that, that's where it all begins. And so thank you to those who served and those who do serve the children because think about me 40 years ago and where it's taken me um, to the nations. And that's what, that's what Jesus's heart is, is for all people. He's taken us to Turkey and to China, and then we've been in the UK for the last 11 years. We'd be happy to share more of our journey with you. We have a very British-themed table out in the courtyard. It'll, you can't miss it um, if you want to come and have a conversation with us, um, and we'll be around uh, for the next couple weeks and also after the second service today. 
Um, and so we'd love to, uh, to get to know you and hear more of your story and share ours as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and, and as Alan said, they, we were having lunch together. Um, I ordered taco surf for us. Um, so come on back after the second service, um, and they'll get to share a little bit more with us. And then pickleball tournaments happening. And so bring, find a, a teammate and come back um, for our pickleball tournament. It's going to be an exciting afternoon here. I, I, was, I was joking with the pastor today. I said, why did we plan this right after having such an exciting week of VBS? But here we are. We're going for it. And we are all about connecting with each other. And we are just so grateful uh, for when you give to Good Shepherd. You are giving to ministry partners. You are giving to VBS. You are giving to all of these amazing ways that we are connecting with our community and beyond. We are so grateful for your gifts. You are truly impacting our whole community in the world for the God's kingdom, and it's, it's amazing to be a part of it. So I'd like to invite our ushers forward to take our offering.
and you may be seated. As we spend some time in prayer this morning on the back of your bulletin, each week are those members and friends of our congregation that we remember in prayer. Two things to note uh, this coming Saturday, uh, August 5th in Zerbel Hall, there will be a celebration of life um, for Don Weidenkeller. Um, so we list there to be praying for Janice and, and Tim, uh, one of the, the, the children as, on the passing of Don in the middle of June. They will gather in Zerbel Hall for, from food and fellowship and just sharing, and so you're invited to that. Also this past week, uh, Jim Brown went to be with Jesus, and um, we'll be praying for Nancy and Jessica and their families. And that service, I met with them uh, Friday. That service will be um, on Saturday, August 12th at 2 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. So wanted to share that with you as we enter into a time of prayer. Lord Jesus, we do give thanks um, that your call is on our lives. And to answer, here I am, it may sound so simple, and yet it is hard. In fact, it is dangerous to say, here I am, Lord. And so, Lord, as we continue to engage what it means to live out our faith and our life here as it would be in heaven, will be in heaven, each and every day that you give us is a gift. And so may we say, here I am, Lord. Use me, fill me, guide me, direct me. And together you bring us together as a family of faith, um, ever-changing, ever-growing, ever-reaching out with the light and hope of the good news of Jesus. As we seek, with your help, Lord, to invite everyone to grow into a Christ-centered life in your forever family. Lord, thank you um, that the pastor nominating committee has been formed and prayed for and charged, and so for the days and weeks and months ahead, we pray that you would bring them together as a team and that you would guide and direct their discussion and their thinking and their discernment and their interaction with candidates and that you have already prepared the next lead pastor for Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church. And we pray, Lord, that you would guide their discernment as they serve us in that way. Lord, thank you once again, I'll echo, for Stellar VBS this past week, for the servant leaders um, that range from middle school to in their 90s, those 135 people that served the children this week. And Lord, we know that you planted seeds in the hearts and minds, and we may never see them bear fruit. But we know, Lord, you were at work, and we pray for every child and every family they represent um, as they continue to reflect and to engage the week they had, learning about shining your light in all circumstances of their lives, from joy to sadness to thinking of others. And so thank you, Lord, for allowing us to host and be a blessing to them this past week. And Lord, you know, as the Good Shepherd, our joys and our concerns. Hear us now as we just take a moment to lift them up to you. Fill us with your peace.
Lord God, prepare our hearts, our minds, our souls to receive your word to us this morning. And Lord, we believe that you are a God that can do far more abundantly than we can ever ask or even imagine. And so we pray these things in your name, Lord, and as you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, it's been a great, great week. Uh, I can't just want to echo again. Again, and I love, uh, I, I love the song uh, "Here I Am, Lord." That, that was uh, that was well, well done and well performed. And but uh, and I think that comes. I, I'm not entirely certain, but I think that comes from uh, one of our Catholic friends. Um, and uh, I, I love that. I love that uh, great song. So we've talked a lot about the Gospel of Mark, uh, but I checked, and I don't think we've read. Uh, the passage that I'm going to read today, at least not during the recent series on the Gospel of Mark. Okay, So there were three high holy days in Judaism. Uh, Pesach, or Passover, in the spring. Uh, 49 days later, Shavuot, or Pentecost. And then in the autumn, Sukkot, or the Feast of Tabernacles. So on these days, Jewish people and God-fearers from around the known world would come to Jerusalem. Now, some of them would come from a distance. Okay? So they might have Roman coinage, which had pagan symbols on it. Or they might come from some other place. right? So they were charged a tax to convert the coinage. Now, of course, if they came from a distance, they might want to buy an animal for a sacrifice as well. And they could do that at the court of the Gentiles. I don't necessarily think that Jesus was objecting to the sales or the conversions, but he was objecting to the place where they were located. The temple was considered sacred in, in Judaism. And that included all of the temple, including the court of the Gentiles. But I do wonder about the use of power in that setting and we'll discuss that a little later. So with that in mind, I want to get right to the scripture for this morning. I'm reading from Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 18 from the New International Version. So, and they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anything, anyone, to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it. And they were seeking a way to destroy him. 
For they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. Okay? Wow. So I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning and share with you the other three texts in the New Testament that cover the cleansing of the temple. So in the first uh, text, right, the chief priest and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, for all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. So here's Luke chapter 19, verses 45 through 47. Uh, When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priest, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Okay? Now, so in the, in the second text, right, the chief priest, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him, so it isn't much of an ex- escalation from destroy to kill. <laughs> I, I kind of think both mean the same thing, all right? So now here's Matthew 21, verses 12 and 13, okay? So Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Okay, so it's very similar to the Mark and the Luke texts, right? (laughs) But now here's John chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, okay? In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned the tables, right? And to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Now, I've looked at the text here, right? And I I know uh, some commentators said he didn't whip people. He only whipped the sheep and the cattle. But I'm kind of compelled by the word all here. I I can see how Jesus might have whipped some people as well. And sometimes maybe God wants to charge us up, right? <laughs> so what did Jesus have in mind? You know, the question, that's the question I'm asking this morning. Why did Jesus do this? That's the title of my message. What was his point? What was his intention? Did it only have to do with the sins of the people at the temple courts? Or, or might it have something to do with our sins as well? So in Mark, uh, the reference is to a house of prayer for all nations. In, in Luke, it's abbreviated to a house of prayer. The actual reference is found in the Old Testament. So here's Isaiah chapter 56, verses 6 through 8. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and all who hold fast to my covenant. 
those I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. There's house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house of prayer, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. There's all nations, right? The sovereign Lord declares, uh, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Okay? So, you know, part of this uh, 12-week series has been about gathering still others to them besides those already gathered. Uh, there's, there's breadth and depth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We would like to see every tribe, every tongue, every nation come to faith in Jesus Christ. We want to love people, right? We want to serve people. We want to sacrifice for people. We want to show through our humility that we can be trusted as recipients of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verses 16 and 20. Think about all authority in heaven and on earth being given to Jesus Christ. We can trust that. We want to be continually discipling people through our example. We want to be continually going. We want to be continually teaching. We want to continually be immersing people in the love of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And yes, we want to baptize them too. Brian's going to be preaching that on September 3rd as a close to our series. You'll notice that Jesus is referencing the first part of verse 7 about a house of prayer. And at the end of verse 7, he references a house of prayer for all nations. But, but Jesus also said that his house, a house of prayer for all nations, would be a den of robbers. And believe it or not, there's an Old Testament scripture for that as well. It's from Jeremiah chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known, and then come before and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say we are safe, safe to do these detestable things? Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers to you? But I've been watching, declares the Lord. I'm not sure I love the comment at the end that God is watching because um, that kind of means God's watching us too. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've said before, I, the, the, the biggest problem I have is the guy I look at in the mirror. So the, the session uh, met on Saturday morning, the 22nd. Uh, the session members met for four hours, from 8 a.m. to noon, and uh, Joni Gibson hosted us and provided breakfast. Uh, so, and so we started at 8.30, um, and at, at 11.20, uh, Brian went to Chick-fil-A and got lunch. And, you know, I, we had a great conversation, and I, 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 was, uh, I was privileged to be part of that. Um, but, you know, I, the challenge is, is the, the, the move to Matthew 28, 16 through 20, right? So how can, we, how can we love our community well? How can we serve our community well? I think this last week was an example of that. Um, you know, how, how, can we, how can we get caught up 
sometimes in our, our prestige and in hoping to, people, to get people to come to our church and in hoping that our congregation has enough dollars in the budget. And I, I do care about those things, but I, I think sometimes a shift is needed, a change in perspective. I've shared before with you that every follower of Jesus is a full-time missionary for Jesus. It doesn't have to be a church thing. It can be a you thing. You loving people with humility, serving them, pointing them in the direction of Jesus Christ. The Matthew 28, 16 through 20 thing. Every church wants their church to grow. Now, some are doing it, but my conviction is that they're sometimes doing it by stealing members from other churches. I mean, we could probably learn something from those churches. But our hope is, is new growth of people who are discovering Good Shepherd, people who are followers of Jesus, but also those who are not. The, the latest stats from Gallup suggest that in 2023, 20% of Americans are in church on, on a Sunday, okay? 20%. 41% of Americans are in a church once a month. 57% of Americans are never in a religious service or seldom present. So Americans' membership in houses of worship continued to decline last year, dropping below 50% for the first time in Gallup's eight-decade trend. In 2020, 47% of Americans said they belonged to a church, a, a synagogue, and a mosque, or a mosque. Okay, That's down from 50% in 2018 and 70% in 1999. You know... Of course, we have to take into account the COVID pandemic, right? Which hit us hard then. Um, but, but people, uh, you know, think about the halo effect as well. Uh, people, when, when given a question that is perceived as favorable, tend to answer more generously. How many times do you go to church? Oh, I go every week. <laughs> but the point is that, that we, might, we might model these things in our personal lives. How do we move from membership to discipleship, from church growth to community transformation, from institutional mission maintenance to becoming missionaries for Jesus Christ? So I also wonder if there's an imbalance of power in the ancient world. I, I don't know about you, but I think that 5 or 10% of the far right and 5 or 10% of the far left seem to dominate the conversation in our country. Okay? I think most of us are, are willing to look at things based on the merit of the thing. You know, most of us may tend to lean right or lean left, but most of us are willing to compromise for the good of the country, the good of we the people. I wonder in the ancient world, was the practice of charging a fee for the exchange of money an issue? I understand it, right? People came for the three holiest holidays in Judaism. But I, I wonder if power played a factor in what Jesus did. <clears throat> the power of the priests, the power of the Levites, the ability to charge people a fee just because they were there. And I certainly know that when Constantine established his power, there were probably some good things that happened from that, but also some bad things, right? What was once a movement of the gospel of Jesus Christ for the first hundred years, and, and maybe up until about 300, was a movement, right? People were coming to faith. 
because they were loved, because they were accepted. We saw Jews and Gentiles coming to faith. We saw temple prostitutes in Corinth coming to faith. We saw people of every size and type come to faith in Jesus Christ. There were five times in the New Testament that say an entire household was baptized, including the infants, because they found grace there, because they found mercy there, because they found joy and hope there. What happened eventually became the Holy Roman Empire. I'm grateful for all that Christendom has brought to us. I'm grateful for the spread of the gospel to every tribe, every tongue, every nation. But I also know that power is a factor. The power of the Spanish conquistadors overwhelming their enemies and sometimes killing them to make people convert to the Christian faith. Sometimes the more things change, the more they remain the same. I'm thinking back to Platte, South Dakota where I served from 1985 uh, to 1993. Uh, Platte is 120 miles from Sioux Falls and 65 miles from Mitchell, South Dakota, the home of the Corn Palace. Probably a few of you have been to the Corn Palace. And to Wall Drug, a little further down Interstate 90, uh, and, uh, and on your way to the Badlands and the Black Hills, right? Because they're more isolated, <clears throat> Uh, they, from larger cities, they have a, a fairly thriving economy there. A Ford dealer, a grocery store, a couple of coffee shops, some pharmacies, a few gas stations, including a Casey's, a gym, a swimming pool, a few implement dealers. This is like a town of 1,200, okay? Think big stuff for farming, right? A few implement dealers, big stuff for farming. A few hotels. I think there's an Airbnb there now. A nine-hole golf course where I got my first and only hole-in-one on the ninth hole, 150 yards. I should have quit golf right then. <laughs> my kids were born in Platte. <clears throat> I lived in a manse across the street from the church. Uh, but I had to drive 20 miles out in the country for the service at Academy, South Dakota, a part of the United Christ uh, Church of Christ denomination. Now, I didn't know this, but apparently... Uh, part of the United Church of Christ was influenced by the Reformed movement. And this congregation was very solidly Reformed and Evangelical. The service was at 9 a.m. The service at Olive Presbyterian Church was at 11 a.m. You know, someone once told me that my children were all awesome and put together. I reminded <laughs> this person that it was my wife who was getting the kids together to the church because I was gone. Rhonda and I had a beautiful experience there. And we have so many happy memories. In fact, we celebrated our 38th anniversary last year in Colorado Springs with two friends from Platte, Ben and Ellen, take it off. Now, I remember a group of widows. Um, as I was facing the congregation, they were on the third row on the left. Right here. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so, uh, now this congregation had an interesting way of helping the men um, who were more absent uh, to come to church. We knew they would show up on Easter. We knew they would show up on Christmas Eve, right? But they would have the guys usher for one month during the year. Josephine Campbell was her name. And she was a dear saint of God. 
who died at the age of 95, and I was with her when she died in Mitchell, South Dakota. But on that particular day, she, Josephine, one of the widows in Widow's Row, would say to Lee Tappy, who was ushering, if you came to church more often, you would know where I sit. Now, is that a wound? Uh, do we tend in our congregations uh, to shoot our wounded? I can see it both ways. You know, maybe it was a casual remark. Maybe it hit Lee as a wound. But I, I think sometimes congregations of all types and sizes, we do tend to shoot the wounded. And I wonder how we might change that with God's grace. How, what could we do to love the wounded? What could we do to respect their wounds? What could we do to help them grow in their faith in Jesus Christ? I know all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. I've said to you before that the biggest challenge I have every day is the guy I look in the mirror, look at in the mirror. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Thanks, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. So an interesting story about Lee Tappy who also passed away at the age 62 in 2003. Uh, he was an attorney, and by the luck of the draw, was assigned to a man uh, who had raped and molested children, and several of these kids were in a mental hospital. Now, I, you know, I can't imagine doing that, but I know that the law requires a court-appointed defense, and I'm grateful for that in our country. But Lee had an encounter with evil, pure evil, and he also encountered, had an encounter with God, the God revealed through Jesus Christ. He changed. His life was transformed. And he was at church, and I saw other kinds of transformations in his life as well. So I'm not sure how to bring the message to an end. I know that I, in every role in which I've served in the church, have wounded people. Transitional pastor, lead pastor, associate pastor, assistance pastors, the session, the deacons, the members of the congregation. Maybe someone in one of your churches has wounded you. It might have happened at Good Shepherd. I have to tell you that, that we bring those wounds with us. I've said this before. I mean, I, I, this congregation is pretty stable, pretty solid, pretty healthy. But it doesn't mean people haven't been wounded here. And I'm pretty sure that I'm the biggest offender. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1.15, Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Okay, if Paul's the worst, I'm the second worst. But I think he meant it metaphorically. Again, the biggest challenge I have every day is the guy I look at in the mirror. We have a problem, a problem with power. We have a problem with shooting the wounded. We have a problem. Let's pray. Lord, help us to take all four Gospels seriously in the cleansing of the temple. Help us personally to embrace what Jesus was suggesting to us. Help us grow in humility. Help us grow in love. Help us grow in service. Help us grow in sacrifice. Help grow us. 
We pray all of this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, uh, all four Gospels talk about the cleansing of the temple, and there's a reason for that, um, because I think we need to be cleansed as well. Uh, and so we need, to, we need to grow in our humility. We need to grow in our love. We need to grow in our sacrifice. We need to grow. And I see all of those things in this congregation. But I want you to understand that the journey of growth is continual for each of us. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.